Running the bases with small businesses. I'm Randy Rohde, and I have a passion to work with small businesses, and I love baseball. So I thought, hey, let's bring them together. So every episode, I sit down with local entrepreneurs, business builders, and small business owners to talk about their wins and whiffs, their tools of the trade, and to give actionable tips to other business managers. We'll cover the bases with entrepreneurship, operations, sales, digital marketing, innovation, plus a little fun baseball talk. Thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say, play ball. And there we go. The game has begun. Hey, I'm Randy Rohde, and you are with Running the Bases with Small Businesses. All right. Thanks, Gary. Take us out. Very good. Hey, our guest today focuses on revenue-generating strategies for nonprofits. She has a vast background and experiences working in broadcast media sales, and she's also an author of a children's book. Yeah. Hey, I think you're actually our first like fully published author. Maybe really? we've had a few other guests who are like on their way with the book, but you may be the first, certainly the first that like brought in bo- a, a copy. Book, yes. Please. A copy of your book. So anyway, so Lori Zoss uh, Kraska from Growth Owl. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Randy. Yes, yes. And I'm excited because you're actually in our new studio. It is gorgeous, by the way. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> and we just got our decal on the wall, which is kind of fun Looks as good. well. So very fun. Hey, so before we get started on your agency, the Growth Owl, yeah. tell us about your children's book, A Bed for Fred. Sure. Well, I wrote it about seven years ago, and it's about my my basset hound who I had adopted from rescue, and I feel very passionate about rescue for those thinking of a dog, and my favorite breed of dog is a basset hound. And I just, he just has this, this, this cute, this cuteness about him that I wanted to capture that I thought would be great for a kid's book. Plus, you know, bassets are very low to the ground, and he was just a magnet for kids if he'd walk them in the park or in the neighborhood. So I thought, wow, there's there's a good kids book here. And literally, I woke up one morning and thought to myself, a bed for Fred. So I thought of the title first. Okay. And then the story came about. So the story of Fred is he wakes up one morning, he has his breakfast, he gets dressed, he goes back to his room, and his bed is gone. So it's his journey to find out what happened to his bed. Ah, yes. that's very good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So is Fred still with us? Is No, Fred passed away okay, I'm about sorry. two years ago. Yeah. Okay. But um, we have another Basset now named right. Lucy, who we uh, adopted. And I can't forget her brother, Ranger, who's oh, a hound mix. Very fun. Yes. All right. Well, I love Bassets. And <laughs> yes, so they yes. are very fun. And we recently got a dog uh, in January. And I know they are like become like their bed is very territorial. That is it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome. Well, that's (laughs) great. All right. So now let's get into uh, the growth aisle. So give us a lowdown on the growth aisle. What is it? What do you do? And why did you decide on 
this concept of a business, I guess. So give us, you know, how did you make the leap? All of this stuff. Oh yeah, sure. So I had spent just under 10 years working in fundraising and corporate support in public broadcasting here in Northeast Ohio. But actually the efforts that I did actually was was kind of nationwide with with other stations as well. And I really, really enjoyed it. I had a team of people that I managed who are just superstars, loved the people I worked with, loved the idea of putting sponsors together with the great content that NPR and and PBS have to offer. So again, I I did that for just under 10 years. And actually, the two things that that came about that made me think about taking the leap. First was, for years, I had thought about starting my own business back in my 20s. I'm in my mid-40s now. So you can see it's been a long journey. My in, In my personal life, my my father-in-law had passed away suddenly. And just about 14 months later, my mother-in-law then had passed Mm. away. So when you go through something like that, Mm -hmm. it makes you think about the concept of time. And, you know, I still know I have quite a career ahead of me, but there is something about going through that experience and and talking to them as, you know, they were going through through their experience that just made me think about what am I waiting for? Mm. I don't want to be in that position and regret that I didn't try or I didn't do it. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was just more uh, things were happening from a structural period within where I was working at that made me think about, you know, maybe now is the time to make that leap. So I spent about almost a year prepping for my exit from traditional corporate. So (laughs) I did that through mentorship, finding great mentors and coaches to work with, you know, being able to talk to other business owners who had made the leap. I think that's so important in in getting their experiences and their advice. Uh, Also, I started to do some pro bono work. So on weekends or on evenings, because you could tell I feel passionate about animals, (laughs) I started to pick up some animal-related nonprofits to work with on the side from a pro bono standpoint to kind of prove to myself I could do this on my own and and be really successful at it. The end of that year was coming to fruition, and I decided to make the jump because things with my pro bono clients were going so so well that I was able to take them on as a traditional client. I just like to say the right things happened at the right time, and I'm, I'm a true believer that if you really do follow your passion and make the jump, life will support you <laughs> and mm. provide the things that you need. And that just kind of happened. So I, I made the leap. And the reason why I leapt into wanting to help organizations tr- generate revenue is because that's something that I've been really good at. You know, I've done it for my employers, but now I wanted to do it for organizations I really, really cared about. Not that I didn't care Mm -hmm. about my employer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think you know what I mean. So my thought was if I could take the concept of what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis in kind of quote unquote corporate America, could I do it with other nonprofit organizations I care about that I know could need the help? Plus my specialty is working with corporations with their cause marketing departments, traditional marketing, and their corporate philanthropies. That's an area that a lot of nonprofits either don't pay a lot of attention to, or they don't have as much access, or they don't have as much knowledge on how to access those types of resources. So I also knew I had kind of a niche going in. So those are some of the reasons why I started 
growth owl, and I've been doing it now for just about two and a half years, and I'm so glad that I made the leap, and I'm just so happy, and I, I just can't say enough about entrepreneurship. Yeah. It's, it's the best thing. Well, <laughs> I can't. You know, I think you really gave just a great blueprint almost for our listeners who are thinking about yeah, doing sure, something sure. similar and, and which is kind of this methodical planned out success. Um, yeah. because, you know, I loved, I was at hand teamed up. I, I found some mentors yeah. to really kind of discuss. And then you started doing, I love this idea about doing some pro bono work yes. to give yes. you the experience and yeah. to get some referrals or some of what we would call kind of social proof. So you've got people that are like able to give you a testimonial is a great way. That's what literally, I think you just gave a great blueprint for people to be able to step out. This is a great way to do it and give yourself a nice long uh, runway to like to launch. Yeah. Yeah. It really was because I still, I was balancing my existing career but at the same time, starting to embrace what I've been passionate about for so long. And again, I just find when you start to, to really pay attention to that part of you that really, really wants to do something instead of suppressing it, but they're mm. like, oh, I got to go to a meeting. I got to right, do this, right? right. Uh, things just work for you. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very much an optimist, if you can tell. I, I can't just say enough about the importance of just giving yourself the confidence to make the leap. And that's probably the hardest thing I, I knew going in when I I was going to submit my resignation and I had really kind of practiced in my head how it was going to go. And I tell you, Randy, it's to this day, one of the top moments of my life. Mm. I mean, my, the, the person I gave my resignation to even said, I don't know if I should be really upset right now, or if I should shake your hand for seeing the best resignation I've ever seen. (laughs) But that's because there was a lot of work that went up to that, but I was ready. I mean, it was just, it was just freedom. It was just, it was great. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, Good for you. That is terrific. So let me change gears. So now you, you, you've been in business and you've been working with a a variety of nonprofits and I want to get into like some of the different industries and clients maybe that you uh, work with. Given in today's environment, we're in the midst of this pandemic and we've been shut down and people are kind of hunkered down and, and there's just a lot of uncertainty, right? I mean, how is... I'll say the health, if you would, but how is the the nonprofit world? I mean, are, are nonprofits struggling? Are they surviving? Are they flourishing? What is it like? You know, it's actually very similar to what the for-profit world is like. It really depends what your focus is. So if you are a nonprofit that is in the arts community, you are having a hard time because you don't even know when you're going to be able to perform If you could ever tour again with your musicians, you know, when you could have a poetry reading in public. I mean, that is something that arts organizations are really struggling with. So I think arts have been hit big time in Mm. terms of, of this pandemic because the whole arts, the mentality of arts is getting the community together to enjoy it together. So the arts organizations that I see that are, are trying to make a go out of it is, you know, those that, um, are looking at online mm. ways to maybe deliver their content or alternative ways, alternative types of venues, but it's still going to be a long road yeah. for these organizations. And then even going beyond just arts, what size of organization do they have? You know, you have nonprofits that have 
good endowments and, you know, maybe they can keep things going with their existing employees for 12 months, a couple of years. But then you have smaller nonprofits that maybe the CEO is doing this on the side for very little money or, or no money mm-hmm. that are just are fading away, unfortunately. I actually had a conversation with a nonprofit I'm talking to in Washington, D.C., and he actually, his organization was a recipient of a grant, and he was telling me that the the organization giving the grants initially had 300 applications. Of those 300 nonprofits, by the end of, uh, or I think by June 15th, 200 of them no longer exist. Oh, so that just tells you that yeah. not it, it is tough for nonprofits. However, on the other side, if you're a nonprofit that deals with in healthcare, education, broadband right now, mm. I mean, if it, any, you know, you're seeing the school systems trying to struggle with mm-hmm. how are we going to sustain learning? How are we going to bring our kids back into the classroom? I don't think it's a coincidence that you're starting to see more school systems choose an, an online format, at least for the beginning of the semester. Right. But that means they have to purchase infrastructure. They need consultation and infrastructure if they've never done online learning. There are some great nonprofits that work in that space. So they're flourishing right now. And I also tell any nonprofits uh, in education or in health that have really good content, it can be monetized. There's, There's corporations that have an interest in that. And I think the biggest misconception right now is that corporations are not spending money on sponsorship. That's not true. You just have to be more strategic Mm. and you have to be very specific as to what you're asking for and make sure that the goals of your organization are aligning with the goals of that corporation's organization. So that's that's kind of how things stand right now. It just really depends on what area your nonprofit plays in, for lack of a better term. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that it's similar to the for-profit world because, you know, in some past guests, we've talked about pivot and, you know, the importance of pivot and as for-profit businesses, that's so critical, especially as COVID really kind of pushed them into like, listen, we have to re-examine today's current environment and examine our own either process of operation, the efficiencies, our services or products that we're delivering even, and then pivot, you know, we have to adapt in today's world. And it's similar. It's interesting. I think you're absolutely right. Probably around nonprofits having to do that same kind of pivot, right? Absolutely. Even in my own business, I had a pivot when this all happened. So before March 15th, had a phenomenal first quarter, uh, calendar first quarter, working with my nonprofits, finding corporate sponsorship of their various programs. It was going very well. Then March 15 hit (laughs) and my work with them changed. Now I'm very fortunate that because of my background in management and managing people, I was able to pivot going from corporate sponsorship to actually helping them with managed people remotely. How do you do that? Crisis communications to sponsors. Will you still be able to contribute even though we're in this pandemic? Also, I had some both for-profit and nonprofits talk to me about kind of strategizing what their departments look like at this time and what could they look like six months down the road. Mm. So talk about a pivot, but 
I like the challenge. You know, I'm a type of person that likes a lot of different things going on. I never see myself doing the same thing over and over. I like to do different types of things with Good. my clients. Yeah. So it worked for me and it worked with my clients. So I'm, I'm very fortunate compared to maybe some other small businesses, but it also makes me a stronger executive and a stronger business owner to mm-hmm. be able to add that to my portfolio of services. Hey, besides finding corporate sponsorship and training you on how to do that. Here's some other things I can do for you. Right, right. So that just all kind of happened. Yeah. And you just have to go with it. You can't think about it. Yeah. You know, that's the other big thing. You know, when you come on an idea or you see an opportunity, you can't wait. You just have to go. And I find that clients, no matter what their personality type is, they are looking for some sort of help or direction, even if they're not directly asking for it. That's where having a good client relationship really helps, where you can just kind of intuitively know, yeah, you might want to think about this. <laughs> and you position it in a way that you know will work for them. So I've also been very good in, in finding those types of opportunities, as well as finding those opportunities for my clients when trying to find new sponsors for some of the things that they have going on around uh, COVID-19 and pandemic. Right. So we, we talked about this in the pivot and even what it's done for you or what yeah. it's kind of, I'll say forced, but it was an opportunity, Absolutely. I think, to kind sure. of re-examine your own business. Yeah. What I'm sure that there are other commonalities between the nonprofit and the for-profit world. And as you're talking with various clients, what are maybe some of those crossover strategies or tactics beyond the pivot that we just kind of covered, but anything else that kind of comes to mind? Sure. So I think you'll find if you talk to executives that have been in nonprofit, I'd say at least for 10 years or more, they will tell you that there's much more of a focus now on the bottom line. And Mm. there are people that struggle with that because they're really good people, right? They're mission-based people. They don't want to have to think about the bottom line. They want to think about helping whoever it is their audiences, right? But the fact is the way our society has evolved and the way business has evolved, you have to look at the bottom line. So that's something where nonprofit and for-profit are actually mirroring each other now. It's like for-profit, I'm sorry, nonprofit has kind of caught up to really talking about where are we from a revenue perspective? What are some other ways we can bring money into the organization? Now, the jargon might be a little bit different, but really looking at the bottom line of how much you're spending in your organization versus how much is coming in has been is being looked at now more than ever. And that's a trend that's been happening, I'd say, especially in the past 10 years. Yeah. And then just promotion and branding, that's is still very important for nonprofits. There's a lot of nonprofits out there. There's probably more business acumen and and business type strategic decision-making that is going on that maybe you might not think about with nonprofits. Mm. So because of all that, they are a little bit more even in the playing field when it comes to how I look at them for strategy. The biggest difference though is if I'm looking at a for-profit institution, uh, maybe we're talking about assessing their initial sales strategy or doing true sales type of trading, where with a nonprofit, I'm looking to find the right corporate sponsor match for the programs that they have available. Right. So it's all about money coming in. It's just how is it being utilized? Yeah. So in thinking about for you specifically now, working with nonprofits, what has been your biggest challenge in working with nonprofits and kind of on the transverse of that, the biggest rewards um, that you've experienced? 
I'll start with the rewards. All right. Yes. <laughs> so when I started Growth Owl on the side, I specifically chose, as I said earlier, kind of animal-related causes. And, and I chose causes that were in marine mammals, zoology, small companion animal, because those are the areas that I feel very passionate about. So I get to talk to people that are marine biologists and scientists right. and people that run animal shelters. These are people I didn't really get to talk to in my previous life in corporate, but I just have an, an interest in, and I'm such a student of new things that I just kind of have a sponge for wanting to learn new and kind of take me through the process. So I think that's been the greatest joy for me is being able to kind of tap into my curiosity to, to be able to speak to someone that has a PhD doctorate in, in zoology and, and learn more about the animals that I love and, and just helping these organizations because a lot of these folks, and they'll tell you, I'm not telling tales out of school here, they'll tell you they're not the best business people. They, they do it for the science. They do it right. for the love of the species. And I love that. So if I can come in and kind of give them a little coaching as to, okay, I totally get what you're coming from, but you still need to sustain. You need money to sustain. Here's what you need to do. And I, just, I love that. I love doing that. Some of the hardest parts about working with nonprofits is, for instance, if, if something doesn't go right when you're trying to bring a corporate sponsor to the table, that it's kind of a double hardship for me because mm. first, either something didn't go right, so you feel bad, and then I feel bad because it's a nonprofit. We've taken a lot of the time, and I can, I can kind of walk you through a challenge that happened. I was working with a, a client and we had a very significant corporate sponsor that was very interested. They actually had even contacted me about getting involved with this client. And this was a good three-month period of meeting board members, of going on site. Everything looks great. And then when it comes to sign the contract, they disappeared. Never heard from them again. Wow. And followed up several times, phone calls, email. Yeah. Uh, I even stopped by once, you know, hey, <laughs> and that was tough. And I got to say, I've I've worked with my team in the past in public media. Of how do you get over someone basically ghosting you? I think it's the right, term. Yeah. But I'll be honest, that never happened to me before. <laughs> I think, first of all, it's usually not about you. Uh -huh. And it's usually that the sponsor had something else happen and they're either embarrassed or they just can't deal with having to say, we can't do it. Right. Even though I'd rather hear no and just tell me why there's something on their end that's just preventing them. So that was a tough situation, yeah. but it was good for me because that was, that was a challenge I personally hadn't been through before. Again, I've coached my staff with it in previous, you know, lives and mm -hmm. management, but going through it and then working with my client, not to get discouraged, you know, right. that was another big thing. Don't let this example kind of dampen your feelings about corporate sponsorship. Yeah. So, and luckily it didn't. It good, took some good. time, but it didn't. So that that's one, that was a big challenge in, in terms of bringing a corporate sponsor to the table. Yeah, well, you know, that's a great lesson and a good reminder, I think, for business owners and uh, people, especially that are doing direct sales and what have you, is that sometimes when that ghosting, uh, yeah. I think that is the term, yeah, yeah. when that does happen, too often we want to own it and like put it on our shoulder, you know, yeah. and, and whether it's the 
little bit of lack of confidence or the ego gets in the way, but you think, what did I do? Yeah. You know, why? And often I think you nailed it. It's not necessarily always you. No. And there's so many other circumstances or potential causes that could have tripped and why they're doing yeah. what they're doing that it's completely out of your control. And it's funny how life works because now this has happened a while ago. Right. As where I am now, I could see that that could have been a problematic relationship uh, in retrospect. Yeah. Now that I know what I know now, right? You just have to just let it go and, yep. and keep moving forward. Yep. Uh, good words. So let's see. Do you know what time it is, Lori? Oh, is it the seventh inning stretch? Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. I'm stretching. The seventh inning stretch. <laughs> yes. So, Lori, yes. as you know, this is where we. Um, Get a chance to talk a little bit about baseball. Awesome. All right. So I do have, my research team has gone through okay. and have pulled together, um, you know, some some questions or maybe just some conversation anyway All around right. nonprofits and with MLB. Okay. Okay. So in MLB, you know, they're very highly involved in doing a lot of different kind of charitable work yeah. um, and literally hundreds of different foundations yes. and uh, they have their tentacles in so many different ways between the, the, the major organization, MLB, every team has a number of organizations. They support players, then have their That's own right. foundations right. and support a number of different organizations. So it really is amazing. I will ask you, and this will be a question. So back in 1997, MLB took on a, a major partnership that continues still with uh, the Boys and Girls Club okay. organization. So here's a, a dollar kind of question. So since 1997, 97. How much money do you think MLB has either donated directly or have raised on behalf of Boys and Girls Clubs? So it's since 97 and it's 97. every team is involved, Major League Baseball. Well, this is MLB directly. MLB so directly. the parent organization, the, I, I don't know, I couldn't find or the team couldn't find, I dug into it as well, like individual teams maybe participating, but the was not there. So now there's a bunch of other questions I'd ask. You, I know. But in, yeah, in so this is just, time, just a very right. general broad. Yeah. I'm going to say it's north of 25 million. Okay. Well, yes, very north, about a, over a hundred million. Wow. That's, yes. That's good. Yes. Yes. And I'm sure you probably have seen or have heard of these 50 50 raffles oh, as well, yes. right? Yes. yes. I so bought tickets for that. Oh, I have too for various <laughs> different causes. Now, have you ever, do you like to go to a baseball game? I have do. you been? Okay. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So, and this happened, I don't know, probably a good five, eight years ago, somewhere around in there. They started doing 50 50 raffles yeah. at stadiums yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, so, here's, here's a two part question. So, on average, what do you think the dollar amount that they sell? So the top line, not the split, uh, at on average at a baseball game. Oh boy! So now this this requires more questions. Like, is it not, is it like that the Indians are playing the Red Sox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just house, just you know? on average, yeah. Oh my, uh, twenty five thousand. Pretty close, actually. So thirty eight thousand okay. is kind of the average okay. sale. Yeah. All right. So the Indians this year in two. 
2020 yeah. did something different because baseball season is sure. just crazy right now. Yeah. No fans. So they're not doing a 50, yeah. 50 in the yeah. stands in the stadiums. So what the Indians did is that they are doing it all online. Ah, yes. All right. And they just did the drawing. Well, about a month ago for their first drawing, 50, 50 drawing online, uh, where anybody can go online and buy, participate in the yeah, 50-15, yeah. so not just in the stadium. What do you think the total dollar amount raised in this first 2020 Indians online 50-50? I'll say closer to 100000 Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, over 256000 wow. that's uh, more than I would have thought. Isn't that that's crazy? Great. How would you like to have had the winning ticket on that one, right? That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So anyway, all right, we'll see. Seventh inning stretch. That wasn't so bad, was yes. it? Yeah, all right. Thank well, you very much. there we go. Let's get back into <laughs> it. All right. So you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier. So on your site, thegrowthowl.com, yes. um, you do have several nonprofit clients that are animal focused, yeah. animal based. So is that by design or? Yeah, is this it? is kind of where I started the foundation okay. of my business. And I just, I just love them. They remind me why I do why, what I do how you can really make an impact. I mean, you just never realize how much of an impact you can make with a person or an organization where you and I, marketing and sales, thats right. we could talk about that for hours. For someone that is an executive director of a marine mammal institution and they're struggling with finding money to buy 250 pounds of fish that their, their sea lions eat a day, they don't think about sales and marketing. So it just, again, it just, it keeps me, it keeps me grounded in why I do what I do. So when I have some of these larger nonprofits that I work with, it's just a nice balance. And I, I know I, no matter what I do, I think I'll always have some sort of commitment to animal-based nonprofit. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So you've been in business now for about two and a half yeah. years or so. I'm sure you've had some wins. You've had some grand slams that have been like, wow, this is great. I'm sure you've had some disappointments along the yeah. way as well. What is the mindset needed? to kind of keep moving forward. Oh, perseverance. You have to let go and move on. I said that earlier, but that is so important. It's, I think people that are successful in owning businesses as well have that same mentality. You have to see, I don't even want to call it failure, but if something doesn't work out as you had thought, you can't see it as a setback. That is information for you to make your next move. It's a part of being on that chessboard. Entrepreneurship is a game of chess. It's not a game of checkers. There's lots of strategy behind it. And I can honestly say that in, in any move that I made that I didn't think would come out like it should, I can honestly say, number one, I'm gl glad in retrospect it turned out that way. And number two, it was meant to turn out that way because it either turned into something better, a better door opened up, or a better partner came into the picture. So that, uh, that, that perseverance and staying positive and just being able to move on. When I'm working with, because I do talk to some other younger people that are looking to start their own businesses. Right. And I think the toughest thing for them is the mentality of moving on from loss or moving on from something that didn't work from them. That is imperative for all of us. If you can't do that, you're going to struggle more in owning your own business. Yeah. We had a previous guest on, we were talking about kind of this, a little bit yeah. of the same thing, right? About failures. Yeah. I think that particular guest said, you know, I expect to fail and I expect to have a lot of failures. Yeah. 
I just don't want to have the same failure twice. That's right. And That's a good point. Yes. I like that. Yeah. And it's like, just keep moving. Just yeah. you, You're going to fail, but just keep moving forward. Yeah. And that's the perseverance Absolutely. that don't let it get you. Yeah. And I, that is great advice. Yeah. How about, can you share maybe some of the challenges that you had to overcome? How did you do it? Well, like I said, I've been thinking about entrepreneurship for a long time. And I've had some people ask, wow, are, do you regret not pulling the trigger earlier? Mm. And actually, no, because every move I made got me to where I am and prepared me for what I'm able to offer uh, nonprofits and businesses and philanthropists right now. So that that's an answer I, I really do believe. But like I said, I, I, I took a good year of talking to people, doing research, journaling. I love to journal. I love to write not only children's books and things, but I also like to just really write about my thoughts, what I'm thinking. And that kind of turns into like a strategic plan for yourself. Mm -hmm. So preparation is key, but at some point you've got to jump. And for me, that jumping point was that moment I mentioned earlier where I resigned. That was it. And I also have to give kudos to my husband, who's amazingly supportive, and he has 100% support in what I do. And that that definitely helps, having a support system, whether it's a spouse, whether it's friends, whether it's somebody online. It's really important to have the right people behind you that are cheering for you. That was essential for me. I couldn't have done it without his support. So those, I think, are the key things. And when, you, when that moment comes to jump, you've got to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and just trust it's going to work out. Because as I said before, I, I really believe that once you make that jump, everything else will align for you. Right. What are you planning for your own growth? Oh. Hey, so what's the path look like for you over the next three years? So or? actually, I'm taking some of the advice that I'm giving my clients. Huh? And Very that good. would be looking at <laughs> other revenue generating opportunities. So during quarantine, I watched an interview with the actor Matthew McConaughey, and he was talking about this thing called mailbox money. Have you ever heard this term before? I mailbox don't think so. Okay. No. I love this. Basically, he talked about- I movie. think I'd like it though. Yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> he talks about movies he's done in the past. Specifically, he was talking about a movie he did, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days with Kate Hudson. Romantic comedy, early 2000s. And he talked about something about that movie made such an impact that people keep watching it on Netflix. HBO keeps renewing that. Anytime somebody watches that movie, he's getting mailbox money. He's getting checks in the mail. A little royalty. Right, royalty, right? That he doesn't have to do anything Got it. To get it. And I thought, wow, that's, I love that. So, you know, looking at investment opportunities, Mm. looking at things like that, taking growth hour to a new level Mm -hmm. in terms of just being a service provider for nonprofits, but also looking at strategic partnerships and being able to still have the integrity of the brand of what it's all about, but maybe utilizing different ways on how to get my message out and help those who, who need help. So really, I'm looking in the next couple of years, again, strategic partnerships, looking for those chances for that mailbox money that Mr. McConaughey talks about <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> to, just trying some new things. And, and honestly, I think the whole concept of strategic planning has totally changed after COVID. Right. You know, you have to be willing to put the plan together, but also be willing to throw it away. 
if you have to. Mm-hmm. And are you, do you have the DNA, the makeup to be able to throw it away, let it go and just jump in and swim. And a lot of this is just right. jumping in and swimming. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to happens. what happens in the next couple of years as well. I just don't know. What's going <laughs> well, and, and soon as you do plan out and have a great strategy and then all of a sudden, Hey, guess what? You're under quarantine. There and, you go. It, you know, uh, nobody planned for that no, to happen. Nobody did. All right. So this is good. I'll tell you, this is flowing so great, but it is the bottom of the ninth. Oh, no. Already. This goes by so fast. Yes. If you can believe this. So what advice do you have for rookies in the game? You know, for these folks that are just starting out in their small business or they're fresh into it as well, or thinking about it, what is some of the advice um, and guidance that you might give? I think the first thing is be selective on the, the opinion of others. There are people that will support you, but there are also people, even with they have their best intentions in mind, there could be people that are just worried about you taking a leap like this. You have to kind of set them aside because this is not their journey. And and that's the other thing. I think sometimes people get analysis paralysis in doing too much research and saying, well, you know, Stephen did it this way, but Lori did it this way. I just, just don't know what way I'm going to go. So I'm just going to stop here. That's the worst thing you could do. You have to pave your own way. What might be successful for me might not be successful for someone else. And that's okay. Right. Really just watching the opinion of others, surrounding yourself with very encouraging people. And I always just like to say, if it feels right to you, then that's your gut saying, move forward. If it doesn't feel right, then don't move forward. Right. I think it's really, I don't like to overcomplicate things. I really think it's that simple. Those are good. I think those are a couple of good uh, advice tips to give. Absolutely. And I love that about, uh, you know, it's your journey. It's it's nobody else's journey. It's your journey. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you see people and I read, I love to read. I love to read success stories and and how people do things, but that's their journey. Right. And, you know, you're not living your family's journey. You're not living your friend's journey. You have to live your own journey and embrace it. Yeah. And because we only have so much time on this earth, right? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. And or doing business sometimes. Or doing business. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, listen, Lori, thank you so much yes, for joining great. us today. That is the ball game, oh, as we say. So, quick. so I want to tell people so they can find you over at thegrowthowl.com. That's right. Uh-huh. And I'm assuming you're all over media. Yes, social. you can find me on LinkedIn. Just okay. look my name, Lori Zoskraska. You could also type in Growth Owl. At Facebook, I have a Facebook page for Growth okay. Owl. Just type in Growth Owl. Honestly, if you just type Growth Owl into Google, you'll find you'll all find you. All right, very yeah. nice. Thanks for joining this us in the new studio. I appreciate it. Yes, congratulations. Thank you very much. All right, everyone else, also thank you for joining us today. And if you like our show, please tell your friends, subscribe, and of course, we would love your review. And as we like to say, we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the bases with small businesses is brought to you by Thirty Eight Digital Market a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.